in this tweet, Bill Stark uses. Oh my god, I went through that whole thing. That was so bad. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Uncomfortable hashtag MTG truth of the day. The majority of the angst about hashtag magic 30. Gotta get those hashtags in there to get the engagement uh, is with the marketing, but that's being twisted to hate on the product. A lot of MTG players would own up to its cool factor if they could afford it. Schrodinger's Tarmogoyf on a massive scale. I mean, the price is not separable from the product. It costs $1,000. That makes it suck. Like, sorry, that's just like part of it. You want to know my favorite part about this Bill Stark character? Uh, this person doesn't work for Watsy. Has clearly just like gone off the the Watsy Kool Aid deep end. I didn't realize this until someone had quote tweeted him. But made event link and companion, which are the two worst things. <laughs> They're just garbage. You can't even manually undo anything in event link. Like, come on. This yeah. is the guy. Who's trying to speak for everyone? Like, Unsurprising. And I mean, I don't even like care about the Magic 30 thing. I can't get mad about it because whatever is just another another product that's not for me. Like it's another like commander set that's not for me. It doesn't affect me. It's just like whatever. But it's not cool. A thousand dollar product of fake cards isn't cool. It is bad. Yeah. Like I listened to ross's whole deal on the the rants podcast and mm -hmm. he just says a lot of the stuff i want to say yeah like most of the stuff i already said in the last podcast to be honest <laughs> about the the op system but it's just you know who asked for this it's just literally to make money that's all it's for which at some level any product made by a corporation like that's what it's for but you can have purpose beyond that as well a standard set has purpose beyond just making money for watsi like this thing the only possible purpose beyond making money for watsi is because you think the value will go up and it's a like it's making money for someone else yeah, it's literally yeah. only to make money it's just a like unregistered security is the only thing that this can possibly be which is why it's going to sell out it's like oh i have enough money and even though this product sucks, I know people will buy it, so. Yeah, but it does, like, at that point, it's just, like, the Patrick Sullivan tweet, like, just buy an equivalent dollar amount of shares of Hasbro stock if you think this thing is going to go up in value. Yeah, exactly. I'm done with it. I'm done with this topic. Yeah. Me too. I don't. It sucks. I would like to just not have it on my timeline anymore. It would probably be the ideal ending to the Magic 30th anniversary story. I don't I don't think I see it anymore. It's it's been almost a week, so it's almost all gone for me. Anyway, I'm closing Twitter. Got all my decklist threat decklist tabs open now. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
I do like the game of Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to even play the game of Magic the Gathering this week, which I haven't done in like a little bit. Yeah, going to play a little modern this week? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I want to sleeve up. I don't think I have an RCQ. I asked Alan earlier in the week if there was an RCQ this week, and he said, I'll tell you when I get home. And he just like just got home. So maybe there'll be an RCQ this week. And who knows? <laughs> well, if there is, I guess let me, let me know and I'll come out to it. My, our fate is in Alan's hands. So. Yeah, that's I have no way of discovering the existence of an RCQ except for through this process. Yeah, you know, I've used my way. He's recovering from his, his trip. So <laughs> I got to wait for him to finish. He needs to untap so that you can use his ability again yeah i mean i'm, I'm all sleeved up and ready to go he just needs to tell me if there is one <laughs> and where it is i have been continuing to play as much pioneer as i can uh, i'll talk about decks individually as we go through them i did tweet about this a little bit though but with nathan winning the box with phoenix yeah again so congrats to nathan stoyer just absolutely crushing it one of the most powerful magicians of our times Uh, but phoenix was both halves of the pioneer finals and won the tournament and i think that inspired a lot of people to pick the deck up again Uh, I, i can't say that like that's the right choice in Pioneer, but I did also pick it up again because I was like, whatever, here's like a build that is constructed well. I might as well play it through a league. And boy, just like piloting the deck is such a, a breath of fresh air compared to a lot of the other decks in Pioneer. Like it just works smoothly. Like your cards are all cheap. You see a lot of them. You get to do the thing that you want to do very consistently and you get to fix your draws and the, the deck just plays so nicely. I did play against Rakdos and it was very hard. So that's, that's just uh, the cost of doing business there. I I think more decks in Pioneer should be like Phoenix. And one of the reasons that I don't love the format as much is because like it, there's a, so much inherent clunkiness in it. Mm-hmm. And when you play Phoenix and you're doing your thing, even though your cards aren't that powerful, they all cost... They're pretty cheap. Yeah, you're casting so it a feels lot good of them. To play. So yeah, like even if you're just like you know opting and using a shock effect and just like putting a burden to play, you're like, oh yeah, I did it. And yeah, you're just like plus two damage on the turn, and it's like you're you're doing great. This is the best. Right, you're just getting like a little extra out of your spells. Like you're getting a ledger shredder trigger, or you're putting an arclight phoenix in the graveyard for later, or you're just like putting two more cards in your graveyard for a treasure cruise. Like you just feel like you're accumulating this value over time and it just creates this like this nice little bit of feedback to what you're doing you're not just casting your spells you're like accomplishing something it's nice i like sacrifice for the same reason actually but Mm -hmm. a little bit of a different kind of deck no but I, i think that it is in that same realm of like you are going towards something you have a lot of cheap versatile spells and you can do a lot from a position where it doesn't necessarily, you know, you have like kind of nothing in play and then you claim the firstborn their thing and then you sacrifice it to uh, any of your stuff that sacrifices it. And it's like, you got resources out of that exchange. You're, you're doing it. And it like, especially because a lot of the creatures in the format have like death triggers and stuff. When you steal an old growth troll and get to sacrifice it and they don't get the, the backside of it, you feel like you really did something. So I, I think that, Racto Sacrifice is in a pretty similar spot to Phoenix, just like cheap, versatile cards that punch above their weight class. Do you want to talk about 
you're, I know you wanted to do a rant about Modern Green while we're talking about decks that we like. Yeah, well, and Modern Green is not that. Right? No, I mean, while we're <laughs> just kind of like talking about feel more than anything else, and I completely acknowledge that Mono Green is either the best or second best deck in the format on any given day. No problem acknowledging that as the truth. I finally sat down and played a couple of leagues with it this week in the like you know current iteration which is set in stone at this point you have two and a half flex slots basically in the main deck and not a lot of room in the sideboard because it's an it's entirely a wishboard with a lot of those slots set up but finally sat down and just played a couple of leagues and just kind of had the worst time of my life playing magic you know i won a fair bit but it just was entirely what are the cards you drew that determines everything this game you don't have any real agency like most of your turns are completely scripted out i think i played through an entire league and like looked back on it and was like wow i don't think i made a single decision this entire league i i just can't put in the the work to get good at this deck because i just didn't enjoy myself and i can't make myself just sit down it, it like it's literally a chore for me to sit down and play mono green it's not particularly pleasant to play against either so i just like don't love it in the format but i don't think it's like too strong necessarily i think it's like fine you, you know i lose with it i beat it quite a bit but boy it is one of the least fun decks around in the beginning of pioneer when light line abundance was legal Mm -hmm. people were doing that i was just like certain they were gonna ban nykthos because it's not engaging yeah <laughs> but they just never did and i'm cool with like you know ley line of abundance mulliganing that lenor elves or whatever that's whatever who cares but the whole backup plan of nykthos was just kept being a thing mm -hmm. ever since they banned ley line and it's just still the best deck or in the conversation for the best deck and it doesn't add to the format for me <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's playing a role i don't really know exactly what would happen to the format you know right now while you're trying to come up with your deck for a tournament you are caught in this very weird place of how can i be good against rakdos and mono green and i don't think we've answered that question with anything yet it's i can be good against one of these decks and not feel like the other matchup is unwinnable is about the best you can do but it's very hard to be like happy to play against both of those decks at the same time because they're testing completely different things from you and uh it weirdly like even something like phoenix pretty decent against mono green pretty bad against rakdos even though like the overall strategy would seem to kind of line up well but just like the presence of specific cards in the Rakdos deck, particularly Graveyard Trespasser, makes it really hard. And Shieldred, those are like the two main culprits. Just like those cards existing and being heavily played uh, make the matchup really hard. I found like they put a Graveyard Trespasser in play and you can't really engage with it in combat because they have so many removal spells. You can't put a Phoenix in front of it because they'll kill your Phoenix and then exile it with the attack trigger. So you have to kill it with a removal spell, but a lot of times that's like lightning axe and then discard an additional card for the ward ability. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I need to spend an entire treasure cruise just to recoup the card loss from killing their three mana three, three. And uh, that's how you lose games against Rakdos. Like you can't keep up once they like do that and then land a Liliana. And it's just like, oh yeah, I just can't win this game i guess we could talk more about 
the format of Pioneer mm-hmm. later on when we're doing the banning stuff because there was a ban announcement which we'll talk about after all the Pioneer stuff uh, and Pioneer was not touched in it. And we will talk about the bans right now though we should just talk about the results from this weekend. We had our normal Saturday and Sunday challenges. We also had the mocks which as an eight-man tournament is not metagame representative but i think there is a couple of interesting lessons to pull from the decks that players chose to play there also was a 5k at the seg seg con which uh, you know it was only 80 players it was in paper there were other tournaments going on that maybe players were more excited to play in so i don't know exactly like what conclusions are reasonable to draw from the paper tournament but put it in here for completeness's sake at least yeah i mean Good old paper tournament. The run through MTG Melee, so the deckless names are just all over the place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I had to do a little bit of translating to get it in there. Uh, we had several of the same deck having different names. We had two different decks getting the same name. A build of Mono Green and a build of Grease Fang all, both ended up with Abzan Combo as the name in Melee, which I don't... Which both could be technically correct, but... <laughs> The green deck didn't have any white cards in it, so I don't know how that ended up. <laughs> I need to look up on Yabzan combo decks now. I'm just curious. Because mm-hmm. this is a Grief Fang deck. This is a... Oh, wow, you're right. It literally is just mono green and no Teferi Splash or anything like that. Yeah. So That is wild. I don't... And I don't think that's even a joke name that like the player assigned to it. I'm sure... I think this is just some weird bug thing or something like that. Yeah, probably. I mean, at the very least, it should be Sultai combo because you have Kiora and Pestilent Cauldron. Yes. Anyway. Sure. The Saturday challenge won by Jund Sacrifice, so a Korvald build of the Jund deck. Notably not a Nickel uh, Bolas' Citadel build, which is like what I think of when I would click on Jund Sacrifice before I open the list up. No, and they generally are not... That, like that's only that's really a throwback thing that only pops up every once in a blue moon. Uh, the Jun sacrifice deck is just the sacrifice deck with a Corvald top end that kind of like spins its wheels, tries to hold on, plays a Corvald, crosses its fingers, and if it untaps with the Corvald, uh, you die. You can't. You never beat somebody who untaps with the Corvald. Just never. <laughs> no, it's a, it doesn't happen because if you didn't have an answer for it, the turn they cast it, you're not answering it any time after that, and it's just gonna eat you. The best part is if you have a treasure lying around from like Fable the Mirror or God, whatever, so you good. get extra value and it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually really like Corvold as a card. Uh, it's a shame it was in that weird Throne of Eldraine. Like the Brawl, the Brawl decks. In. Yeah, Brawl yeah. deck. Thank you. But so this top eight, one Rakdos midrange, one mono white humans, and actually mono white humans making a bit of a resurgence over last weekend and this weekend. Two mono green decks in the top eight, a Phoenix deck, I believe, uh, in the top eight, and a Gruel aggro, I think, uh, and a Willie Adel style Gruel aggro deck. Uh, so, you know, pretty healthy mix of stuff that we've seen going on. The is it things that are go there's a lot of different is it decks like kind of making appearances in this one the top eight phoenix deck was actually a thing in the ice slide to phoenix deck playing four main deck thing in the ice over ledger shredders which is pretty rare now the the consensus is pretty heavily on ledger shredder nathan and marcio both played ledger shredder versions in the mocks and i, I think generally it is way stronger 
thing in the ice, I think, makes sense if your determination with the deck is like, I'm okay with losing to any Rakdos opponent I face, and what I want to do is beat all of my mono green opponents, and I think my treasure cruises are enough to beat everybody else. But it does require you to play some weird stuff like strategic plannings and, you know, an is it charm or two, so you have enough ways to actually get phoenixes in your graveyard. So it, there, there's a pretty big cost to building your deck that way that I don't love, but it is at least calling your shot. So I, I respect the the decision to do that. The Gruel deck in top eight is the Willy Adel style Gruel deck. This one has quad Sky Sovereign, so eight vehicles in the deck, really just trying to outvalue the Rakdos decks. And honestly, like, Sky Sovereign is, like, so difficult for the Rakdos deck to deal with. It, yeah, it really is. I love it, so. I I, I would enjoy playing this Gruel deck against any sort of Rakdos strategy, mm-hmm. but it's I think you kind of run into that problem where you're trying to beat Rakdos and Monogreen again with this one, mm-hmm. and Monogreen does seem a little tough. It, it does. A lot of your cards just, if they have a Cavalier in play, like, yeah, just how am I getting around attack. Cavalier <laughs> yes. ever? And, and, and Old Growth Troll itself is like kind of an issue too. I think you it's, do some four power creatures, but uh. I think it's a huge issue though, because running a a bone crusher giant into an old growth troll is a terrible exchange for you. Yeah, you can like kind of do it with Lovestruck Beast, but it will always trade, and they still have the mana from the old growth troll. Yeah, Be- they'll just like throw something else in the way. But yeah, it's it's got, it's got that dual deck issue of Pioneer for the the Gruel deck. But if you're in the Rakdos bracket, you like guarantee you're having a great time. Yeah, and I mean, the cost of this decision uh, to play four Sky Sovereigns is that you are not playing any Ember Cleaves in your deck. And I think that that just kind of like craters your ability to finish a game against Mono Green. And you kind of see that reflected in the sideboard where there's four Nissa's Defeat, which kills a green enchantment Planeswalker or Forest. Uh, yeah. And then a, uh, a Crow in War. Four of the Crow in Wars. I think the the goal is to hit a forest with a wolf willow haven on it is is what this card is trying to do i don't know what this card is trying to do to I be honest don't, but it's I, in there and it's only in there for one reason right yeah i mean you do have eight elves so you know i guess that it's just the elf stone rain threat like ponza plan against the ramp deck is is what it's trying to do but they have a lot of elves too so i guess you just try to strangle and stomp them all I don't know. It's better. It's a better plan than trying to just play Bone Crushers, Lovestruck Beasts, and Sky Sovereigns against Mono Green. But I don't know that it's an acceptable plan. Like the best thing you could do with this is defeat would be killing a an old growth troll forest, right? Yeah. But then you've already you've already like, traded for the old growth troll, yeah. which means you're not ahead on board. I think you're you're just playing from behind at that point and maybe grasping at straws. Still a good finish, third place or fourth place yeah. for this one. Yeah, I mean, build your deck like this and get the right matchups. Play against Rakdos a few times and just cast a Sky Sovereign and you you reap the rewards. Uh, so Mono White showing up. The deck is just strong. I think it is behind against Rakdos, but you can certainly... The matchup is winnable and Brave the Elements, very good against Mono Green. They have to make some very specific plays to not die to that card. I'm also a big fan of Wedding Announcement in the... Uh... Not against Mono Green, against um, Rakdos. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a really good plan against that deck. Yeah, and I, I think it, this does seem to be a thing 
That's in the sideboard, by the way. It's not in the main deck. Right, right. And I'm going to say, like, I, I was just going to say, like, that does seem to be kind of the strategy that a lot of people not playing Rakdos or Monogreen have settled on. Pick one that your deck is favored against and then play four or seven cards that are specifically very good against the other one and do this kind of transformation thing and just hope for the best. So, yes, Mono White Humans, good against Mono Green. Put all of these wedding announcements in the sideboard to buy your percentage points against Rakdos post-board, and maybe that's good enough. Kind of similar thing with Nissa's Defeat, although I'm less confident that that's a card (laughs) that you're excited to be casting. I think it's a lot easier to target Rakdos with specific like haymakers than it is mono green. Yeah, because it's like mono white's good against mono green because you can play a bunch of creatures and then brave the elements is really difficult for them to deal with, mm-hmm. and the creatures do stuff. Whereas that's like a, a strategy you've employed that's good against mono green. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know like the Gruul deck, they're employing a similar creature strategy, but they don't have their their things don't line up. Mm-hmm. And their haymakers, there's just don't exist haymakers from on green the same way. Like you can, you know, for the grindy matchup, you put in your Rakdos cards. Yeah. Bring in your Sky Sovereigns. That's good. There's not yeah. a lot of Sky Sovereigns for the mono green matchup. It's it's a lot harder to target mono green on the sideboarding card basis than it is Rakdos. Yeah. So probably overall this strategy of picking a target and choosing your deck based on the target and then adjusting your sideboard for the other one like probably does work a lot better when it's i'm good against mono green and then i'm gonna bring in a bunch of cards to try to like get rectos which is why i would favor something like mono white as opposed to gruel like mm-hmm. if you're kind of in that i want to play a non rectos non-green deck and you want to be a creature strategy i would way i think the kimono white deck is way 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 more better positioned than something like gruel because it because of that dichotomy yeah i mean i wonder if i wonder if a more effective four of in your sideboard than nissa's defeat against mono green would be just like to switch to being an ember cleave deck post board like i wonder if that's something that you can do there i don't know actually with the sky sovereign because you do have to push some damage through their high toughness creatures before they can kill. Mm-hmm. And because you're a gruel mid-range deck, you would have to be firing on all cylinders to get that. You could, you could try it. Definitely yeah. wouldn't. It's got to be better than this is defeat. I, you can easily get it that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, you know, Edel's original build of the deck was a four Embercleave version that swapped to four companies when playing against rakdos or blue white control although i have heard from the trenches that he did keep in some number of ember cleaves against rakdos so you know when you play against this deck don't just put your shields down like be aware that you might get ember cleaved even post board so there's some room to play around um i guess the four acroan wars are I wonder if that's your Cavalier of Thorns solution out of the board here. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking that when seems... I mentioned them in, as part of the matchup. Plan. Yeah, which seems like way more effective than Nissa's. Like, I just don't know. This is, I guess you elves into it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, rest of the top 32. Yeah, rest of the top you 32. you to tackle in particular? You have a sweet one written down. There is a sweet one. There is a Grinning Ignis combo deck in this top 32. I've played against versions of this. Uh, I've played against versions that are like straight green red. And this one is playing blue to be a Risen Reef deck in addition, which is really cute because Grinning Ignis is 
in fact, an elemental. I've only played against this with Phoenix, though, and the red-green version playing against Phoenix was just, like, one of the most lopsided things that I've ever seen. Like, they play a bunch of creatures that don't matter, like two creatures that do, you shock them both, and then they just don't do anything for the rest of the game. So I, I, I do like this version better with, like, Risen Reef, and Defiler of Instinct is actually a really cute way to, like, have additional methods of comboing with your grinning ignis you know your like prosperous innkeeper can refund you a life that you paid so you can like get a lot of cost reductions so that it's like cute but this deck isn't good enough this build is better than any of the ones that i've played against but i still don't think this deck is good enough the last time i played this deck was with risen reef because i thought that was a good way to do anything Mm -hmm. because of the whole like when you're playing against removal decks, you're just going to get stomped yes. if you're only trying to do like Burgey Grinning, I guess, and Hazrat's Mani, and that's it. Yeah. So Risen Reef was a way to actually have small turns where you just drew three cards or something. Yeah. Because you know, it's really hard to go infinite without... Like, Risen Reef doesn't allow you to go infinite. It just lets you draw cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a Burgey and a Risen Reef and a Grinning, then you go through your deck like a Hazard's Monument. So it's kind of like a combo piece, but it doesn't have to be. The thing that I didn't like about that was that your creatures all suck, just categorically. You just could not do anything with them. Uh, yep. So I actually do like Defiler of Instinct in this list because it's a 4-4 for first strike. <laughs> so it's actually a Battlefield Presidents. It's not legendary. Like Burgey in the old versions was your just strongest creature as a 3-3 three, three for 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So at least Defiler of Instinct, you know, is I would like to see a fourth copy, to be honest, Mm -hmm. just to give you some sort of punch. I agree with you. I don't think this deck is good enough, mostly because it just kind of plays on this axis where it preys on people not really knowing what you're doing. That's the experience I got whenever I played it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that, that can work. Like I won a bunch of matches with it, but... I always felt like I was just kind of like living on borrowed time. People sure. would figure it out eventually, and then it just doesn't do anything because it, it requires too many cards to get going. You have to mulligan pretty aggressively sometimes or keep really loose sevens that just like have cards in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was my experience playing against it. I just figured out what they were doing, and then I killed the one or two creatures that mattered before they died to whatever threats that i had uh i obviously like the phoenix deck is probably the worst possible matchup for a deck like this but uh if your opponent has removal and figures out what you're doing then it's a, a it challenge. was actually reasonably reasonably fine against Rakdos when i was playing it interesting which was mostly because their threats are kind of expensive and clunky mm-hmm. and because you're a bunch of mana creatures into three drops deck especially with hazards monument like if you play hazards monument on turn two you can theoretically kill them if you have Burgi. Uh, and something else sure. on turn three. So they can't just like tap out with abandon. And I definitely did punk people, a few people like that. Yeah. They just like played a three drop and I killed them. <laughs> yeah, that makes some sense. Because my hand my hand was really good. But <laughs> it, it has that sort that that extends through the the game where I mean, do you want to tap out for shieldred here to make your clock better, or do you want to leave up on some removal spells? Mm-hmm. The answer is removal spells. But because you're not really, you haven't played against the deck a bunch, people will just choose to tap out and then they'll die. Gotcha. Which is why I think that, you know, if this deck's ever popular, it's unplayable. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, I have to imagine that Liliana, 
out of their Rakdos deck allows for a player who understands what's going on to create really problematic game states. Because whenever they get to the point that, like, I can leave up Stomp and cast this Liliana and then just start, like, taking cards out of your hand, then you're never really going to put anything together ever again that game. Yeah, I can easily see that. I enjoyed Horn of Harnfell, the backside of Bergy, <laughs> for longer games like that. That card is so good, but it is definitely your kind of Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Probably enough time talking about this deck that I don't believe you can responsibly register for a tournament that you want to win. No, it was interesting. I, I could easily see it spiking an RCQ. Sure. Yeah, I, I could see that happening, but you should not bring it to the RCQ hoping to be the one to spike with it. Not. I think that's a, <laughs> yes. that's a low EV play. <laughs> So to transition to Sunday, one by Rakdos midrange, uh, I think it's really cute how on Sunday, the day after the mocks, there's just like an explosion of Phoenix decks in the tournament. <laughs> they didn't break into top eight, but everybody was playing it after it did well or, af- you know, after two players registered it and met in the Pioneer finals. And it looked very good, partially because Nathan and Marcio played it perfectly, but also, you know, the deck does run really smoothly and when it is working looks very very powerful is good against green but in this tournament two Rakdos midrange decks in the top eight one winning the tournament uh six more in the top 32 so that's a that's a rough place for phoenix to be and so none of the is it players broke into the top eight from that yeah it, I, that's the mox effect i think yeah it is it's not quite good enough to compete with everyone yet at least on a large stage that we've seen but it still has those tools where you know the deck is really fun and is doing a powerful thing especially with your temporal trespassing yeah can't it's hard to give up on it's in a really weird place because i feel good playing it against everything that's not rakdos do you even feel good playing against like mono white uh i I think that would be an interesting yeah i mean mono white is much tougher than you you know then like generally aggro decks are for for a deck like this because of the combination of thalia and extraction specialists is just like such a nightmare when you get to spikefield hazard their thalia then the games usually <laughs> go just fine but yes definitely classic can be gut a shot your thalia <laughs> <laughs> adeline also can be a big problem because of that four toughness and yeah def- definitely that matchup can be tough but i think it's like Maybe it Phoenix is a little bit behind, but I don't think it's behind by a ton. And also, like, you have game. Like, I felt like I had the ability to play better to buy percentage points a lot of the time. And I, it was really just Rakdos that I felt like, ugh, this, this is a bad matchup. Like, all, there's a lot of decks out there trying to be bigger mid-range decks to beat Rakdos. Uh, I'm thinking mostly, you know, stuff like Niv, stuff like the white-based mid-range decks that I've seen splashing like every color. You just make those decks look silly as Phoenix. And even playing against like Lotus Field, you know, I played against it. I was thinking about the matchup like from before the Temporal Trespass technology was invented. And I was like, oh shoot, I'm playing against Lotus Field. I didn't really expect this. Probably going to have to win both my post-board games and then I just drew a spell pierce and a temporal trespass and 
the game was really, really easy. So it, the deck is just so good against everything and very bad against Rakdos. And it's just like, can we figure out a way to just buy barely enough percentage points against Rakdos to make the deck good? And I think the answer to that is we have not figured that out yet. But boy, the deck is just so good against everything else. Yeah, I wonder... It's got to be struggling against something other than Rakdos because like, even in this top 32... There's about equivalent copies of the two decks. There's eight Rakdos and seven mm-hmm. is it? And two of the Rakdos made top eight. None of the Izzet ones did. Like there could be variants there, but I don't think like all of Izzet's losses came from Rakdos. No, no. I mean, certainly you can lose to other stuff. And, you know, my experience is just my experience. And I have felt fine against everything but maybe my draws were pretty good a bunch of the times or whatever and i don't have the full picture so i'm gonna keep playing different is it stuff to try to figure out exactly what's going on i do want to point out ray's mox deck his quote prowess deck which is like one of the few decks that i've seen recently that actually like made me laugh out loud when i saw it so this is Jeskai prowess, but the only creatures in the deck are four monastery mentors and one Arclight Phoenix. Yes, uh, one Arclight Phoenix. And it's a blue blue red deck, but it's splashing white for monastery mentor and one Dovin's Veto, one Rip Apart, one Chain to the Rocks, one Leyline Binding, and one Sideboard Destroy Evil. This deck leans so hard into the, like, I see a lot of cards. I can play one-ofs, and they have an outsized impact because I have access to them in some number of games where I want them. I I, I do think that, like, Monastery Mentor is an unexplored part of the metagame that could give a spell-based deck something good to do against Rakdos in particular, like some good way of being grindy that's not just treasure cruising to make up the cards you lost when trying to kill their graveyard trespasser. So I think there's like something cute here. I don't really understand what's going on with this deck. Yeah, it's Monastery Mentor is one of my more favorite cards in the format, but Mm -hmm. it is really hard to make work, mostly because it's a white card. If you want to play white blue, you're missing some some mana rocks, some mana base things. And some key spells. Like, you don't get the Uh, removal spells that work in that kind of deck. And and the reason I don't think Monastery Mentor has caught on as much is because just the level of mana costs in Pioneer are higher than, you know, like in Modern or whatever. And Monastery Mentor doesn't appear in Modern either, but for different reasons. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough to cast Monastery Mentor and spells... Uh, you know, I think this deck has to operate like a control deck for a while and then cast yeah. it and, and some spells in a lot of matchups. It's definitely not a GM your mentor on three kind of card. No. One of the things that is it deck sideboard into is a young pyromancer, particularly like against Rakdos. It's like, okay, here's my non-graveyard based thing that's creating several bodies. Young Pyromancer is kind of tough though, because it gives you a creature that dies to stomp where stomp doesn't really do anything against you otherwise. And so I've been underwhelmed by young pyromancer specifically against Rakdos. And obviously you can't just put monastery mentor into your Phoenix deck. It has the wrong colors of mana in it, but I, I get the urge to play it. And I, you know, I wonder if there's some way of doing that, that, you know, is maybe a little more consistent and and a little more focused than this. 
Is it crazy that I just want someone to try Holebreaker Horror in the sideboard of their Phoenix deck for Rectus? Like, I, I, the, I see Pyromancer all the time, and it never feels like it does enough to fix that matchup. Yeah. I just want someone to try to go bigger than Rectus. Yeah. It's the whole reason around Sky Sovereign, right? It's true. The deck has 22 lands, so it's kind of... It's Put like some in the sideboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's the, I, the right look, way. I, I'm just saying if you want to fix a bad matchup, you have to be willing to try stuff. You, you do. Know? And the stuff people are trying do not seem to be working. Right. It doesn't go far enough. I, I agree completely. I've got some ideas, but nothing that I have like any clue if it'll work or not. You know, one of the ideas is having half of your sideboard be fables of the mirror breaker and crackling drakes and that seems like a lot of commitment so i, I don't know maybe Holebreaker horror could be something but certainly something more than i don't know i've got three young pyromancers in my sideboard i'm gonna hope <laughs> for the best uh like we got to do better than that yes agreed uh is there anything in the scg tournament you wanted to talk about in particular it just seems kind of a, a normal tournament to me yeah, it's not particularly representative. Exactly. It's like a normal paper tournament where people probably kind of played what they had or what they could borrow and and maybe not the most dialed into Pioneer. Certainly not at the level of a moto grinder who plays a challenge most weekends and can rent whatever deck they think is best at that moment. You know, it's just a lot harder and for just a 5k at a tournament that you maybe were at to play something else. So I don't think that this is super representative of any particular metagame. You know, there's a mono black aggro deck in the top eight, two mono red decks, a Grease Fang, an Enigmatic Incarnation. It's won by Collected Company Humans, which is just not like four color Collected Company Humans with, with black humans in there, as well as the band stuff. And that's just like barely a deck. So I, I'm not putting a lot of stock into these results here. Yeah, I, I scrolled through the deck lists too and there was nothing super standout or crazy mm-hmm. that I kind of wanted to mention. Though it is good to keep kind of keep an eye on, like this is a, a Dallas, if you're playing in the RC, people are going to be playing, at least some number of these are going to be mm-hmm. informed by what people are playing in paper and it's nice to have some sort of paper result so yeah. pe- saying like, oh yeah, people just play whatever. It's not going to be all mono re- or all Roctos and mono green. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's something that I am interested. I feel like I don't have a great point of comparison because we have never had a regional championship before. And so I don't know exactly like what the is it going to kind of split the difference between paper results and online results? You know, everybody in the tournament qualified for it. And what exactly does that mean for the decks they're going to be bringing? How ser- you know, how close to the quickly evolving magic online metagame are they sticking or is it you know is, is it something else so I, I i am excited to be in this place where i'm closely tracking the pioneer metagame and then we see what actually happens at the regional championship to try to like develop a baseline for where those decks are coming from yeah and it's always like one of the hardest things to figure out anyway yeah <laughs> like people have spent so long trying to figure out what the expected metagame of a tournament is and it's just really hard to do yes yeah and i don't expect i'm going to get it particularly right but i will play a strong deck whatever it is and just kind of hope that i i am close to the money Ooh, i found a deck list from the uh, melee deck lists that i dislike more than abzan combo for mono green oh no 
it's Abzan Aristocrats for a four color fire stack. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Flair. <laughs> so just to note the mocks, it doesn't really matter what happened in the mocks so much as like it, it's interesting to see the decision making that went into the deck choices. Nathan and Marcio both registered Phoenix, which is a deck that has not been super represented. But I think that the thought process was people are going to be playing decks that beat Rakdos and people are unlikely to just register Rakdos in this tournament. I don't think I need to worry about it so much. I'm going to play the Treasure Cruise deck that generally beats all of the stuff that beats Rakdos. And they were really successful at that. They kind of housed the mono green players. Uh, I don't think the matchup is like insane for Phoenix, but I, I think that you have a, a perfectly good handle on that matchup. And the trespasses also just make that matchup so good. Yeah. Like you can just kill them out of nowhere. It's or just take two turns and it's really hard for them to come back from what you're setting up. Yes. It's just hard for them to stop the the time stretch combo from happening as long as you get there. And then you can put enough together to kill them. And so it paid off for them and they did really well. Pretty cool to see that happen. Uh, but obviously the results from of hyper-specific eight-man are not, like, applicable in and of themselves to a wider thing. But the concept of, I think Phoenix beats everything that beats Rakdos and is good against random stuff, and if I don't have to worry about Rakdos, this is the deck that I want to be playing, like, I think that is a good takeaway, and then it just remains to be seen if you can actually apply that to any sort of other metagame at all. Yeah. So those are my pioneer thoughts right now. Oh yeah, in the Sunday challenge, there was a Karuga Fires deck. That was cute enough that I tried it. Unfortunately, it's just as bad as you would think a fire's deck is. I got I got really gaslit by my first match where I just like drew fires and they didn't interact with it <laughs> and the decks felt really good. And I was like, wait, is this actually a thing? But then I got my fires thought seized, I got my fires bazajud, I, you know, shockingly at one point didn't draw fires of invention, and my deck was really, really bad. So, bummer for Karuga Fires. I don't really mourn Karuga, the macro sage. I played against Karuga Fires in Standard, and I wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> no, so. it wasn't. No. One weird thing is that we saw like a bunch of different Is It decks over the weekend. There's like Divide by Zero Is It. There was a Phoenix build with Crackling Drakes in it. And there is a version with Gigantha in the sideboard that is only a companion when you board out your temporal trespasses. I don't recommend doing this because I don't recommend announcing to your opponent that you're, you've boarded out your temporal trespasses. I don't think you're getting <laughs> enough advantage by having a Gigantha. I guess the idea is you generally take out your trespasses against Rectos because it's very difficult to put them together and make them actually do anything there. And then having a companion against Rectos is nice because it is a resource battle, but I just like can't envision this working out particularly well i hope it's just a mistake like no. oh i can play jacantha and then they just forgot, they forgot about temporal trespass <laughs> i i don't know i i i think it's probably intentional well i don't i wouldn't want to intend it <laughs> neither would i anyway should we talk about bands oh yeah i love talking about bands it's like my favorite thing to do in all of magic great <laughs> then then let's well Though I am not the authority on wanting to talk about bans because there is, you know, they don't announce these bans mm -hmm. at all. They just drop it when it's supposed to go live. Yeah. And yet we knew it was coming. Yeah. Because 
there are people out there who just check the URLs to see if there's going to be a ban list announcement just every day. And they never change their process to make that not work. There's no reason that that should still work as a way of determining if there's going to be a ban announcement. Yeah, I mean, the page isn't live, so they don't get to see it until they like make it live. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the page exists is what tells us that there's an announcement coming. It's a giveaway. Well, and I mean, they should get rid of it because it fuels like a bunch of dumb speculate i mean whatever yes, people that buy a bunch of splinter twins every time there's a ban or restricted announcement <laughs> like deserve what they get but you know i do like all the pictures of uh like charlie brown and lucy and the football <laughs> is splinter twin <laughs> but really charlie brown is also holding the football yeah. that he's about to kick himself yes. so like it's not you're, perfect you're analogy. doing it to yourself with splinter twin <laughs> Anyway, so the bands yeah. were well, let's talk kind about of neat, actually. Meat Hook Massacre first. I believe okay. this is the first time that a card has gotten banned in one of the like core constructed formats. I've just played zero games of that format. I have not played standard since rotation. So what's neat is that I told Kenny, my roommate, that there was going to be a banner restrictor announcement. And he immediately said, here we go. Miho Masker time. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> I've not played a game of standard. Well, and what's really funny is the announcement didn't even say, like, Meat Hook Massacre is just so good. It was just the black decks are really good. And we picked a black card to take out of it. And Meat Hook Massacre is like the oldest one. So that's the one we banned, which is a really it's funny also, reason, I think. It's also one of the more miserable ones. It is. Like the way that it plays out. Uh, again, I don't. I have not played a game of standard since even before rotation, <laughs> so I'm not the authority on this one. I do think the getting caught in the pincer of do they have Liliana or Invoke Despair or do they have Meat Hook Massacre? How do I play? And oh, they had an edict and a Meat Hook Massacre. It literally didn't matter how I played. Like they just like get to get me. Uh, I think that's like not ideal so and and meat hook massacre is just such a good sweeper and also sometimes you just cast it for x equals zero so you can have a meat hook massacre in play because it represents such a massive life differential over the course of the game it is a good card i don't know that this is it it is funny to ban a card that's like usually a two or maybe three of in a lot of the decks that are playing it but uh sure i I also kind of just appreciate watsi banning the meat hook massacre specifically because uh, it doesn't see that much play outside of standard and commander, mm-hmm. but because it's display and commander, it's, it's a like million dollars. Eighty dollar card or something. It's it's gone down since then, but yeah, it's still a million dollars. Yeah, and it's just nice. A lot of people do not have standard cards that they just ban one of the most expensive cards. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you I, just don't have to buy it. I, I don't think they're like right they're not like robbing value out of like a lot of standard players because i don't think most people have bought this card in paper so and if you have it's probably due to commander deal right yeah. and you're just playing it anyway and you can still like get rid of it to commander players and i don't think that it's going to go down like it'll hugely. never go down it is such a good card in commander yeah because um, it works on every single creature that leaves the battlefield <laughs> and this probably actually wasn't the toughest band decision to predict because it is nerfed in alchemy so if you were aware of that then you know the the call of um they're probably gonna get meat hook massacre wasn't the hardest to make so i did remember that it is nerfed in alchemy but literally only after you said it <laughs> like oh yeah that did happen didn't it yeah. that is a thing 
The, the more interesting one was the Yorion. Yeah, let's let's talk about Yorion. Banned and modern. No more 80-card decks. Cool. Great. I do not like the companion mechanic. I you would have say. the rest of them if it were up to me. But good. I'm glad Yorion is gone. <laughs> so one of the reasons that I played like pretty much exclusively living end in modern over the past whatever length of time is because i just had no desire to engage in any sort of games where i was like trading cards with my opponent because doing that in a game where they also have a yorion is just not you're not gonna win it and so i didn't want to like engage in that type of gameplay i don't know that the yorion ban is going to like do much damage to four colors place in the metagame or ability to win because you know now it just gets to be a 60 card deck there is some amount of argument that like the yorion is really there just because like you can't win the mirror if they have yorion and you don't and now you get to actually like focus your deck and choose what types of cards you want to play and just play 60 and and have much more access to turn two ren and six and maybe the deck is like just as good or better but it did make it so that it was very stupid to play any sort of deck that just like cast spells traded resources tried to play a medium long game like you could try to do that against four color, but they just had this gigantic value card sitting there that got added to their hand. And now they don't get to do that. And that's good. To be honest, I uh, that is a factor and, and to some concern, but I don't really think it's the main the main suspect, whatever. Mm-hmm. Culprit. Because culprit, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because all the cards in the deck already do that. Like you're not playing you're not planning on trading cards and your opponent's playing Omnath and Ren and Six and all the Evoke Elementals. Right. It's just like, it's all right, I'm going to trade cards with you. It's still a pretty bad... And then you're bad. like, oh, but I don't have Yorion. It's like, oh, well, you know, I still got all these cards, so who cares? But, but like, I think that, you know, playing Rhinos against Four Color, I think Yorion was, like, a lot of the difference maker in that matchup. It's like, oh, well, you know, I can play cards, but then eventually they Yorion, and it just, like, doesn't matter anymore. You know, that, that type of matchup, I think, opens up a lot. I think it makes a lot more interesting from a deck building situation too. Like I, I think the Orion band's good because it doesn't hurt the core of the deck, mm-hmm. but it makes it more interesting and people have to try new stuff. Yeah. Like I I heard people talking about Titania the other day. I don't remember who it was, but that's just like a card you can play that kind of fills that mm-hmm. it's a really good one card, like army in a can kind of way that yorion could be with cards sure but titania is like it for elementals <laughs> you just put a bunch of five threes into play uh, i'm not saying that's going to be like the wave of the future or anything i just heard people talking about it and i'm like oh that's something you would just not consider if yorion was still able to be played yeah i am a little concerned that the primary result of this band is just that four color is even less capable of ending its matches on time well that's kind of a wash right because you save about 30 seconds per turn looking for one specific land out of your 80 card deck and then shuffling it and then having and giving it to your opponent and then them figuring out how to shuffle it (laughs) because that is they did cite that in the the banning restricted announcement that the dexterity issues with 
this was part of the reason they banned it. It just made things take longer. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing too is to be like, you know, fetch lands. We're all looking for the one who yeah. did this. <laughs> it was Misty Rainforest all along. I guess but, Windswept Heath is the the best, bizarrely the best fetch in four color. Yeah, uh, but it is weird that they cited this as a reason to ban Yorion in modern. But it was their primary reason too. Like it, they wrote a lot about it. But it wasn't applied to Pioneer because there are no fetch lands in Pioneer, <laughs> so it's not an issue. Sneaky, very <laughs> sneaky. So it's not really a Yorion thing as much as it is a, a fetch land thing. But Yorion plus plus fey factor and making your deck huge. Yeah, I. I am suspicious of like how much time that actually added to matches, but I think it adds uh, way more. If you just watch people in a normal RCQ, because I do this a lot, you have different levels of players, and whenever you're like shuffling decks, you always go to the lowest denominator of time spent. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how efficient the four color player is at shuffling or whatever. If the other player doesn't want to take time to shortcut or shuffle slowly or whatever, you're, you're beholden to them. Yeah, that's true. Like I've I've seen games played where four color person is like, all right, fetch, puts their fetch in the graveyard, puts an abundant growth from their hand onto the battlefield, says, I'm going to grab a snow covered forest, go. The implication being that they're going to grab their forest, they're going to shuffle, then draw their card. But the other person can take their turn because it's turn one. But the other person just went, all right, I'll wait for you to finish. And that's clearly not what the four-color person wanted to do. But that's what that person wanted to do, <laughs> and you just can't do anything for, about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just the monkey's paw result, right? Is like four-color is as good or better, and it takes longer because I don't get to kill you with my air elemental. But probably a wash, and I, I hopefully... I think that it's so hard pr- to predict, like, the the result this would have on the metagame if they banned ren and six then i could you know sit down and look at the decks that that makes worse than the decks that that makes better and i i think i would have a pretty good handle on like okay these are shifts that we can expect to see in week one and week two like i i'd have a solid idea i don't actually know what yorion ban means for the format at large I honestly don't think it means very much yeah like the four colors decks just shift to a 60 card version with different weaknesses and strengths depending on how they're built from the day and it might take a little bit to get going you know yeah but i don't think this is like a highly impactful ban the same way i, I think it's mostly like a a luris ban yeah we're just cleaning deal. house here i mean right. luris ban did like kill death shadow but you know good said <laughs> 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 had its time in the sun too long and the shadow. Well, the, I, I guess sunlight does create shadows. So, I do want to take a time to address the non-bans in modern. Yeah, uh, mostly what Rain and Six and Omnath. Those are the cards people talked about banning. Mm-hmm. So I don't. One of the problems I have with banning those cards is that the cost for banning stuff is is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Like it it does do a lot to. To confidence and people wanting to play the game and such so i think if you're going to make a ban it does have to improve the format not just like kind of reduce it uh, which is 
why I'm generally a, more of a fan of looking at the ban list to see what we can take off of it than put more onto it. Mm-hmm. You generally speaking, uh, which is why I like the Yorion ban because, like we said, we don't know how it really impacts the format. It probably is not going to impact it a huge amount. People are still going to be able to play with their cards, and they lose like their one of sideboard card, right? Uh, but if they ban Ridden Six or Omnath, you well, let's do Ridden Six because it's the most expensive card and only playable in modern. <laughs> it just kind of decimates the decks that you play Ridden Six in. And in its place, I don't think you actually noticeably improve modern. <laughs> like you, you're still playing with all the same stuff. You just don't have that mid range soup that Ridden Six was providing. And you still have all the other garbage. Like it's not going to change too much. Mm-hmm. So in the, my opinion, you're just like reduced to the format and not really given anything to it. Yeah. You would have to do a lot more substantial changes, which is probably banning or unbanning a lot more cards than just Raiden 6 if you wanted to have like a noticeable positive impact on the game. And I don't think just banning like Raiden 6 does that. Well, and it's really tough because card prices being so spiky just makes it such a massive feel bad for the player base that's like invested in that deck a, a play set of renin sixes like people spent somewhere between like 250 and 300 something dollars on a set of renin sixes if you ban that card or, or more yeah or more yeah i guess if it was like when it was also legal in legacy and they were like 90 dollars a piece after the release of modern horizons like yeah people invest a lot There's of money also in these full cards. art versions now sure that just came out so <laughs> i i don't usually like have per, like additional sympathy for the people who bought the nice you know but i i get what you're saying well if they're people who bought the nice version because they like the card and sure. expect to play with it for a long time they are impacted yeah it just is a problem that so many of these cards the distribution model is such that like a ton of modern staples are 60 to 80 dollars or something that makes banning cards really really hard and just uh, that creates a gigantic additional cost and i'm not saying that it's like oh yeah it's so much better if all of the cards are 20 dollars. like that's what i want that's the fair price for cards but in this circumstance like the way that the distribution model makes a bunch of cards like very expensive usually the cards that are most at risk of banning that's a problem and it's a serious barrier to doing it and it's a serious cost to using that as a tool to adjust the format yep so i think I mean, like I said, you just have to look really hard (laughs) and seeing what the ramifications of that ban would be before you even touch it, which is why I'm glad they didn't ban Renan 6 or Omnath, even though I hate Renan 6. I just do not like the card. (laughs) It does a little too much too quickly. It is. I own them. I'm planning on playing them this week, and I want to draw it on turn two every single game (laughs) because the card is just so good. Yeah. But it's... Oof. Yeah. What a card. <laughs> I just I just cannot sanction banning it with kind of what I expect its absence to do, which is not noticeably make the format any more different, just have fewer red and sixes in it. Mm-hmm. Just as a side note, once again, companion is just an incredible failure of a mechanic that I don't I I think it's just so it was so easily identifiable from the beginning that like companion isn't going to work in competitive magic. It's just like too massive of a 
of an advantage to have to just have this extra card every time even adding three mana onto it we get multiple companions banned like Luris is banned in legacy and modern zerda is banned in legacy yorion is banned in modern this is with three mana added onto those cards uh Luris is also banned in pioneer yes Luris is banned in pioneer uh Luris was banned in vintage because of how the mechanic worked i it just like how did this get through it is shocking to me still that companion was a thing and i just like the easy early red flying was flag was when they uh they spoiled lutri the otter mm-hmm. and the day they previewed the card they were like oh by the way it's banned in commander <laughs> it's just like oh, excuse me <laughs> you're not even gonna let people try it <laughs> nope just banned can't play with it okay sure <laughs> This is probably not what you wanted to do, but here we are. Yep, there there you go. I don't know. Companion as a mechanic, just an utter failure. Should probably be eliminated. Cause I don't want to have to like see Gigantha in deck lists anymore and just like deal with that nonsense. But for the most part, people aren't going to be presenting Yorians to me in modern anymore. That's a significant reduction in the number of games that I play that involve a companion. So I guess this one is a win on that front. Uh, I did type Kahira the orphan guard into a deck list today. So they're not quite all gone. And Kahira is all, honestly the most heinous it's one the, to me because it's, it's a not... dumb design because the, it has all of this text that just boils down to, if you're playing a creatureless deck, you can just have me as a companion or now you've got pitch elementals in your deck. All right. Which Omnath, don't count. So. Yeah. It gives Fury plus one plus one in vigil. Does it give vigilance? Or it does, does give vigilance. It gives yeah. yeah Fury plus one plus one in vigilance. That's that's pretty good. And it pitches to solitude. It does that a lot actually. Yeah. <laughs> I find that's where most of the gears end up. They just dance between the exile and the uh, hand. Just straight from the companion zone to the exile zone. It's the command zone, right? Yeah, it is the command zone. That's true, isn't it? You know, whenever you ult your red and six, you gently put your red and emblem on, on top of your Yorion. <laughs> Usually, you've put your Yorion into your hand by the time you ult your red and six. But and one joke didn't work if you had done that. Yeah. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think that the Yorion ban is going to have a significant effect on just like the overall composition of the metagame in modern, but. I do think that Yorion was an annoyance and a hindrance to having fun in a number of games, and I will not be sad to see it go. Yep, me either. It's a good, good ban. Great ban. Yep. Almost as good as the Luris ban. Yeah, less, like, pressing, but pretty good. I mean, the, when Luris was banned, the format was, like, Amulet and 30 Luris decks, so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just because people won't give up on Amulet. What is what is dead can never well, there's nothing dead in amulet. People will never Well amulet Amulet's the classic no bad matchups deck, so right. you could never really let go of it. Yeah. Certainly no bad matchups among Luris decks. That's impossible. Yeah. Hmm. How would they how would they deal with a primeval titan? No, it's impossible. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Yeah, well I mean we could talk about the Brothers War. Ooh, but we could also do that in like three weeks when we have actual cards yeah i mean like i don't want to talk about like three meld cards no i don't really either though the dragon engine does look sweet dragon engine looks sweet there's a 
to one human soldier for white with a relevant activated ability. That one probably gets oh, slotted another Savannah in. Lions. Perfect. Anything to replace Soldier of the Pantheon with in Pioneer. Yeah, yes. A card which literally has it's no text. Just no text, yeah. But yeah, I think that's it. Well, cool. Yeah, I don't have anything else. Great. No, we'll, we'll save all the fun magic stuff for next week, whatever that may bring, whether it be outrage or joy. Yes, and I will bring you more news from the various is it trenches my my task this week is i'm just trying oh have you given up on pioneer you're just only playing is it now so okay <laughs> here's the thing i can't get myself to play mono green right like i just can't okay i'm not going to be able to play it enough to get good at it if the last week of the format i just realize or last week of prep before regionals i just realized like i think i have to play mono green then i will sit down and maybe make myself do it and, you know, read Bobby Fortinelli's article on how to play it and how to combo and try to internalize everything I can because you don't make any changes to the deck. So I don't I don't need to know how to build it or anything. I just need to, like, get as many lines in my head as possible. If I have to do it, I'll spend the last week doing that right now. I just don't care enough. It's just too unfun to play and I'm not going to get reps in and I'm not going to enjoy it. What I do enjoy, though, is trying to figure out how to make Is It decks work. So that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to try all of the different Is It decks. We're going to try some Divide by Zero. We're going to try some Crackling Drakes. We're going to try, I don't know, can I make Monastery Mentor work? Probably not, but maybe. And uh, that's that's the next week or two. That's the focus. And I'll report back. Okay, cool. You gotta try Hullbreaker Horror for me. I'll try. Just I'll try Hullbreaker Horror. To stretch your you. imagination. Yes. Give it a shot. <laughs> I don't even. I'm not even gonna promise it's good. I just. Oh no! Of course. I. I mean, I don't think it will be, but I will try it for you. Perfect. Great. Great. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Really, really appreciate your time. Have a great week. Bye.